Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? A driveway basketball hoop, including the base, weighs around 400 pounds. Something you probably do know? There's a windstorm coming. Something you probably don't know? A basketball hoop tipping over can poke a hole in a car roof like a can opener. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. There we are. Good morning and welcome in to Stacking the Box. And Matt Berteram, I got to tell you something. I'm in a mood this morning as I'm hearing myself back off the YouTube. Thank you, everybody who's checking out our YouTube stream and thank you to Tony Carrente for playing Guess What is Happening in the football game on a Monday night game uh, with the Bears and the Steelers. Wow, is that painful. Uh, hi, Vernon. How are you, buddy? I'm I'm probably better than you. Uh, I watched that game. Obviously, no, no dog in the fight. Just watched it because, well, that's why they pay me. And I got to tell you, that game made me physically ill for Bears fans. Uh, we're going to get to all that here in a second, but that was that was insane. That was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen in any sport. And that's not hyperbole. That is just – that's fact. That was an atrocious job by Tony Carrente and his team. And we'll get to all the rest of it in a second. We're going to start with uh, what – is actually going on in the AFC right now. Uh, specifically, we'll start with the Bills and the Jaguars. But did, did you just – did any part of you think the game was fixed last night, just for the record? Fixed. I've never, I've never thought that, but I will say that it crossed my mind that if it came out down the road, that they had money on Pittsburgh, I'd believe it. Like, it was – I will say this in all seriousness. I, I, I can honestly say I've never thought that I've watched an NFL game and thought, oh, the fix is in. With all the gambling money now that is all over the place, there's more of a chance that it, you, know, you can you can bet legally now on games. Like, who's to say an official doesn't say, hey, I'm going to lay down 50K on one of these games, and I can find enough penalties to make it happen. I, I can find enough holdings and, a, and a, a clip here or there and a PI. I mean – Every play. You can blow the whistle on yeah, every play if you want. Like, I think you as an official in the NFL, you absolutely have the ability to essentially rig a game. Now, I, I do not think that's what happened. I just think it was awful officiating. But I will say, the NFL has decided to open Pandora's box and allow for gambling all over creation, which, as, as someone who enjoys the games, enjoys the, the lines and everything else, I'm fine with. But you do open up that opportunity, do you not? And I, I see somebody, as we're doing this live and on YouTube, for anyone who's listening later to make this make sense, uh, hello from Israel, first comment. Well, hello. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Last time I was there was 2005, Israel. Love to go back. So thank you for jumping in. And a lot of Bears fans would like to ship Tony Carrente to uh, Israel to to uh, relearn the game of football if we can. But all right, let, let's let's uh, we'll get back into the Bears and the Steelers and, and the NFL and taunting in a second. But let, let's look at the AFC Verem. Your biggest takeaway from a crazy week in which 
The Bills don't score a touchdown. The yep. Jaguars get a win. Uh, the Ravens barely survive. Uh, the AFC, the Chiefs win, but didn't, you know, Patrick Mahomes didn't look good until one last big throw. Oh. It feels wide, wide open uh, in the AFC right now. And who's the best team in the AFC? I don't know. It's a tough one to answer. I think right now you have to say Tennessee. Do you? They're 7-2. They've beaten Buffalo. They've beaten Kansas City. They've beaten the Rams. They've beaten the Colts twice, if you care about the Colts. They've beaten Seattle. I mean, that's a pretty damn good resume. Like that's, that's a lot of good wins. Now, I will say this, and this is why I think a lot of people, including myself, have a hard time buying into Tennessee. Derrick Henry, who was a fan of the show a few weeks ago, we had him on. Um, he's gone for at least a regular season, maybe the whole year. You have a situation where... Tannehill is going to have to kind of carry them a little bit. And if you watch the Rams game, you look at the box score, or you just look at the score and go, wow, you know, 28-16, it, was, it wasn't even that close. Tannehill threw like 130 yards. Like, not, not, it was a not, very weird game. Yeah, props to the Titans' defense. Not right, sustainable. Exactly. They were great. You know, not sustainable. You're not going to – you can't rely on a quarterback falling down in the end zone and trying to wing it out there. And, and, uh, Which has happened that, two weeks in a row now. Right? Right? Wentz did it. Like, it's yeah, unbelievable. Right. Well, they, Wentz they, did it. Stafford did it. A month ago when they played the Bills, the Bills are going in to win the game, and Allen falls over on a quarterback sneak. And they – it's just it – it has been bizarre. Like, listen, nothing against them. I'm not taking anything away from Tennessee. I am. We're, you do look at the AFC and go, I don't know how real Tennessee is. Like, I know they're good, but I don't know that they're great. You look at the rest of that conference, Baltimore is 6-2 and two, and is the epitome of a team. You have no idea what the hell is going to happen every week. They they can win. They might lose. I mean, they should have lost to Detroit, who's winless. They should have lost to the Colts. They should have lost to the Chiefs. They, they probably should have lost to Minnesota. Yeah, they won them all. I'll give them credit for that. You win, you win. Um the Chargers are another team. You have no idea what's going to happen every week. Um, Kansas City is uh, better defensively now than offensively. And the Bills just lost to Jacksonville, and the Jaguars didn't score a touchdown. Like I, I don't know what to make of the AFC. Yeah, well, look, this is what the NFL wants. Week-to-week league. For sure. A- a- anything's possible. Uh, you know, the, the gambling world – those who uh, had the had the guts to say yes, I'm betting the Jaguars. Which, by the way, the public was 80 percent the other way, taking Buffalo, maybe even 90 by whatever it uh, it, it actually came out to in the end. It, it's 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 straight craziness right now. But I the the Titans look. Maybe I'm just old school. Get off my lawn, dude. But you can't tell me that losing a guy who was in the conversation and maybe should have been, you can certainly make the argument, the MVP, losing him is, is at some point is going to matter. You, I, I don't, I don't, you don't tell me that Ryan Tannehill is going to, and the Titans defense is going to carry them through. So I, so when we're sizing up the AFC, I'd be much more uh, willing to say, I'll, I'll still ride with Buffalo or even the chiefs, uh, and then, then we can have a next tier conversation and throw t- throw Tennessee in there. And I, I just elevated your Chiefs probably higher than they deserve. But I, I, you know, Adrian Peterson to the rescue. 
90-year-old no. Adrian Peterson? No. I mean, come on, man. I, I, oh. I, I, can't, I can't get I, – I, I understand it was a good win Sunday night, the Rams, yada, yada, but I'm, I'm not – I am fading the Titans right now. By the way, as we're doing this, uh, Nick Chubb just tested positive for COVID. So he's vaccinated, so he, he, he potentially could play on Sunday. Um, but the, the Browns, three of their four running backs have tested positive. So that could be interesting as they get ready to go into New England. And by the way, not that not to just segue away from a guy getting COVID, it's just we don't know much more about it. It's just happened. Um, they play the Pats. Both teams are five and four. Games in Foxborough. I'm not a big Mac Jones guy. Like every time I watch Mac Jones, it's like a gain of four. And then you just hope the hell you can do it a hundred times in a row. Um I know everybody's freaking out right now anyway with him about whether he tried to intentionally injure Brian Burns or not, I, I I don't know. I'm not getting into that. I wasn't I wasn't in his head. I, I don't know. Um, but Cleveland I, beats Cincinnati. No, he beats him, kills him. I mean, this is how crazy the AFC is. I was actually doing a little research real quick on this. The Bengals two weeks ago, after they beat Baltimore, were five and two. They were the number one seed in the AFC. Today, they're tenth in the AFC. Two weeks later. It's it's insane. I cannot remember a conference this wide open. And I was very proud of myself this week because I'm like, you know, the, the, I, just in the gambling world, everybody loved the Bengals. I'm like, hold on a second. I, I can I can take Cleveland, who beginning of the season you wouldn't those two teams you wouldn't even compare the two. Browns were a Super Bowl contender. Nobody thought the Bengals were going to go to the playoffs. And I, and I look, I don't know where you're coming out on, on Baker and Odell and, and the whole situation in Cleveland. But, uh, like, you can't rule the Browns out of the AFC. You, they're, 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 they're still viable in, in the mix, right? Oh, God. By the way, as we're doing this, uh, yeah, and, and I lo- uh, speaking again. Oh, so, great. Look out. Might have, to, might have to shoehorn that bad boy into the pod. Well, um, well since, since you just brought that up, look, there there is conversation around, but no, that's fine. There there's there's conversation around Aaron Rodgers right now that yeah. he has he has uh, the Packers have lost value on Aaron Rodgers because of the garbage that's coming no, out of his not, mouth. It's it's just not true. No, it's not no, true. Come on, if, if well, now obviously we're past the trade deadline, they're not trading him anyway. But let's just say they could still trade him, and for whatever the reason, right? He just I'm out. Or the Packers say, okay, we're going to move you. Like Jordan Love, let's say he was incredible on Sunday, which he was decidedly not. Um, They would still get everything they were going to get for him. Teams in the NFL, they don't care. I mean, they care in the sense it makes maybe them look controversial for a a week, something like that. They don't care enough not to put a player of that stature at the game's most important position, right? Like, that they would still, if they traded him tomorrow or this offseason, they'll still get everything they were going to get. What I do think is true, and we don't have to get too far in the weeds on this because it's been talked out to death. Everything with Aaron Rodgers has just made it a circus in Green Bay. And this is not going to go away. Like, he's the quarterback of this team. This isn't Cole Beasley, who's a receiver, who doesn't really have to deal with the media. Aaron Rodgers has media obligations by NFL rules. He is going to talk to the media. And they're not – look, any reporter worth his salt is gonna, or, or her salt is going to ask those questions over and over and over and over and over, and he can no comment it to death. But I don't know if that's his style. 
he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's just going to go, I'm not talking about it. He has, whether you agree with him or not, he has a level of arrogance about him. And it came out last night, it was reported that he's surprised and upset with the way he was received after what he said on the Pat McAfee show last week. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I get that you believe what you're saying and you believe it's right, but how naive do you have to be to think you were going to say that essentially you're taking medical advice from Joe Rogan and, like, you just thought that was going to be fine? I mean, there's a subset of the population that agrees with you, but there's certainly more people that don't. Like, how did you not see that coming? Read the room, dude. 12, love you, on the field, phenomenal. I, You want to make an argument that you're top five quarterback of all time, I'll I'll listen to it and, and not to have any real problem. However, don't compare yourself to Martin Luther King. Uh, like, like, dude, MLK and you are not uh, in the same sentence, even, even if you're going to speak it that way. That was just straight craziness and insulting and, 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 just, and, and just weird, really. Like, is that – you're supposed to be this grounded Aaron Rodgers that sort of gets what goes on in the world, and uh, I don't know. I just thought it was – I just thought it was straight bizarre. And by the way, if you're the Packers, um, can you can you imagine, like, you're seeing this, that he's going to speak on McAfee Show, which he does every Tuesday, by the way. He's going to talk again. And you know, I mean, it's got to come up. I mean, come on, I, I get Pat McAfee's an NFL player, former NFL player, he's not a, not a reporter or a journalist, but I mean, geez. Like, you've got to think that this this is going to come up again. And I mean, it's just, if you're the Packers, you're begging him to just stop talking. Like, anything to stop talking at this point. But that's the problem. He's the quarterback. He's not going to stop talking. Well, like, it's a problem. The, the other problem is Jordan Love. Did you watch the football game? If if Aaron Rodgers plays, how how Not bad? Great. Yeah, I mean, how bad does uh, Green Bay beat Kansas City? Bad. Um, oh, by twenty points. Bad. At, at least at least by ten. I mean, they they would have beaten them. The Chiefs' I mean, defense was really good, but I mean, they also were able to blitz like crazy because Rodgers wasn't back there. I mean, Jordan Love was terrible, and so what do you what do you do if you're Green Bay right now? Um, you're not going to get much more. You're not going to see much more of love. Rodgers is probably back this week, right? And now you're going to ride it to the end of the year. You're you're going to make uh, you're good. Jordan loves our guy at the end of the year. I don't know, man. I mean, maybe I he, he is. Maybe he is worth the headache. He's going to be worth the headache we, for someone. You know, we we've dovetailed away from the, the outline, which is fine. But I um, I mean, that's fine. It's important. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're the Packers. How you trade him? Like. Look, I watched, obviously, that entire – I actually rewatched it again last night, so I've seen this Jordan Love game twice. I want to be fair to him. It's a first start. He's got no reps with the ones. It's at Arrowhead Stadium. It's a very hard place to play. And the Chiefs defense, for as much as they've been awful a lot of this year, the last month they've actually gotten much better. They've made a lot of personnel changes. They added Melvin Ingram. Um, but, uh, look – the Packers did him no favors by just calling go routes constantly and forcing him to basically throw up prayers. He was overwhelmed in that game. I mean, they, they could have played that game for another four quarters, and I don't know the Packers would have cracked 20. I, I, listen, I'm, I, for, just to be clear, I'm not saying that Jordan Love is not going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. I'm just saying that this is the sample size that you're going to have, and you also have Aaron Rodgers. So that is a very tough putt. Just, just say, you know what, we're good. 
Let's 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 go New England 2.0. And by the way, look at the Patriots. They've won three in a row. And Mac Jones has had moments where he's looked capable. Like, you know, you lucked into uh your your next your quarterback for the next 10 years. It's it's out there, but uh, you know. I also look at a guy like Justin Fields last night making plays that Mac Jones could never play make. You know, the talent there is a there is a the ceiling is there for Mac Jones, right? Do we all agree on no, that? Mac Jones, Mac Jones' ceiling is Andy Dalton, right? Which is a good quarterback, by the way. He Dalton gets uh, league first average round, first round pick. It's not man for fifteen, fifteen league average quarterback. What Dalton ever doing his career? If oh, hold on, yeah, right. But if 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 Andy Dalton You're taking a first round quarterback, you better be more than Andy Dalton. Uh, look, if Andy Dalton was not a Bengal in the prime of his career, you telling me that that guy couldn't have won a Super Bowl? A la yes, Joe I'm Black? telling you that. Yes, uh, I don't know, man. God. I don't know. We've I mean, always... Unless he just had one of those like Jimmy G years where like the team was right, unbelievable. Right. Put him on. I, I'm, listen, I, the yeah, Bengals are talent. They were good. He, he couldn't win a playoff game. Right, but okay, but they were they were a, pl- a consistent. Right, we're getting playoff. we're getting way yeah, yeah, here. Okay. It doesn't uh-huh. matter. Look the, the, look, the reality is with Rogers, let's put a bow on it uh, as he prepares to speak. I think it's actually going to be a one o'clock central. As I'm, I'm reading these tweets, I can't obviously hear McAfee, so I'm trying to keep it, keep it going. Um, he's going to be come back. He's going to be a great quarterback for them. They're going to win a bunch of games. Everybody's going to cheer him and love him in Green Bay. And you know what? Look, I am of the belief that when guys are on the football field, for me, I think they're just separated from their off field stuff. I think you have to. Otherwise, you end up hating half your team, okay? Um, that being said, he should not have lied about it. And he can he can sit there all day long and give this bullshit that he didn't lie about it. He, yes, he did. Yes, he did. His whole, I'm immunized. And then somebody afterward, I believe even in the pr- same presser, was like, so you're vaccinated? Yeah, I'm vaccinated. I mean, I, I mean he didn't, right. he didn't right. say, I'm vaccinated. But when you say I'm immunized and you start talking about, you know, guys aren't, some guys aren't. And, you know, that's their choice. And I mean. Stop. Like, this is, this is, it's a, it's a bullshit narrative out of him that he didn't lie about it, that he didn't, yes, you did. Which, look, own it. Just own it. If you're so much smarter than everybody else in the room and you thought you could get over on it, like, fine. You got caught. You got caught your hand in the proverbial cookie jar. You tried to get around it. And by the way, I will say this the NFL should find the daylights out of him and not because he's not unvaccinated. But because he flat out on McAfee's show, and I watched the entire 47-minute interview, he went and said, hey, I didn't do it. I didn't follow the protocols with the press or anything else because I feel that it's unjust, which is when he then cited Martin Luther King Jr. and really just kicked off that bonanza. But I don't give a shit what he thinks about the protocol. It's the protocol. And if he's skirting it, and the Packers obviously knew he was skirting it, and the NFL knew he was skirting it, and he even said, yeah, it came up. He should be fine. He should not be. I don't think he should be suspended. He should be fine heavily, and the Packers should be fine heavily because the last year, the Raiders and the Saints broke COVID protocols. You got hammered over it. So if you're going to do that to those teams, then it should be it should be done to the Packers, and it should be done to him specifically. Everybody cares about money, but it, it wouldn't impact him as much as like, wait a second, you lied, you created your own rules, you did your own thing. To me, that's a one game suspension. Okay. So, sorry, dude. I mean, he, he, in, in essence, he got it this past week, but that's because you tested positive. And I, I get that there's lots of vaccinated people that are texting, testing positive, but 
to me, it could have been like once you get out of the protocol, you're suspended another game. That's what I would have done because uh, any fine is not going to impact him at all and or the Packers, who were definitely complicit in this. So don't tell me they weren't. All right, let's move on. NFL officiating is just straight horrendous. I don't – look, we all love the NFL. Here we are on an NFL podcast. Thank you for watching. We appreciate all of you. Thank you for reading all the uh, pieces that we put out there and, and giving us an opportunity to be employed because there's no bigger uh, machine in the sporting world than the NFL. However – Watching an NFL football game where a whistle blows on every single play sucks. It's it's just brutal. And certainly watching the way the NFL has somehow figured out taunting and their rules and 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 what type of look someone's giving, like Cassius Marsh, who's looking at the Steelers bench last night when he was on the Steelers earlier this year, guy that uh, has made his way around the league and had an you know, incident with Bill Belichick back in New England in 2019. Uh, in the in the fourth quarter. Of a Monday night football game, you got to 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 call a penalty is just absurd. They also in that game guessed at uh, uh, James Daniels, the Bears guard, called a penalty on him because they, they thought that he had made contact, but that was incorrect. I'm just I'm I'm only doing one particular football game right now, but there's a lot of uh, it's just it's every week with the, with the officials and the taunting and everything. You can go in the end zone and, and have a celebration, but you can't do this. It's exhausting. Uh, and, and the officials, I don't know if you, they need to be empowered more, empowered less. Where are you at on this, Ferdinand? They need to be empowered less, okay? And I I am someone who's, I guess, of my generation, the younger, you know, I'm 33. Like, I, I am old school with this. Like, I don't need guys taunting. I don't I don't need guys doing a dance every time they make a, a play. Like, I, I don't need – I don't – I don't hate it or anything. I don't. I don't mind it, but I don't need it. It's not part of my enjoyment of the game. Um, that being said, Cassius March he he did not taunt he, the Steelers. He it's did like thirty not. yards in the, from the sideline. Like who cares? Taunting should be if you are egregiously in somebody's face. Okay, if you are doing a a vile or an obscene gesture, which I know there are people, especially again my age and younger, who are like. Oh, you sound like an old man. Look, I don't have a problem with the NFL legislating that out. Because if you if you might be aware, you might be aware. Look, the NFL has a lot of sponsors. A lot of those sponsors are run by older people. Like I, I get that some of this goes back to money and like sponsors. Hey, we don't want to. We don't want to see that. We don't want to see you guys doing. But again, ninety five percent of these taunting calls that we've seen this year are just bull. They're ridiculous. There's stuff that, like, it's so unoffensive to anybody that I do think, yeah, sure, there's the 5% that the guy absolutely deserves it. Some ridiculous thing, and everybody can agree, all right, yeah, that guy took it over the line. The Bears got robbed last night. Now, I will say, one thing I will say, can the Bears line up on defense? I mean, they're in the neutral zone, like, every third play. I don't know what that was. The, the, the Bears are just like like they have the blue line for the scrims, and the Bears of guys who have like their hips on the blue line. Like, what? Can, can you line up? Can anyone tell them to get lined up correctly? But that being said, look, the taunting call was ridiculous. Then earlier in the game, on the touchdown pass, you'll remember who it was. Was it to Komet? To Graham, yeah. Jimmy Graham. The, okay, to Jimmy Graham where they call a, a low block outside of the tight end box, which A, was not outside the tight end box, and B, didn't even block him. He missed him. And Corinthi calls it a personal foul. 
if I'm the Bears, so that's where Nagy should have gone in after the game and just blasted the crap out of the officiating room, taking whatever fine he got, and the McCaskies could have paid it. Like, that was beyond egregious. It might have very well cost them any chance of making the playoffs. Right. And that, I mean, like, I don't think the Bears are going to win many more games the rest of the way, and they weren't going to be a playoff team regardless. But that was a huge game for Chicago. Here's a guy who's got uh, a head coach who's battling for his career, uh, at least to remain a head coach in the NFL. And you've got Tony Corretti, who's, by the way, officiated five Super Bowls. Yeah, very highly thought of official. Five, okay. There, I mean, what what Super Bowl is it this year, Verderam? We can do the math on this. It, I mean, it's it's a lot of – six. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, we're talking, you know, in the time that he's been in the league, this is a very, very well thought of official. And, like, I've got the pool report, which our guy Adam Hogue interviewed him after the game. Um, can you explain the low block penalty that was called on Chicago's James Daniels that negated a touchdown in the third quarter? Once again, the new rule this year, this is Corrente talking now, is there should be no contact below the waist to any player outside of the tight end box. And this player initiated low contact to a player outside the tight end box. Then the Hogue follows up. Um, In that situation, is it still a penalty if the offensive player fails to make contact? Carrente, I have to judge that there was contact, and that's what I judged. And I get it, you're not perfect, dude. But you're, 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 you're guessing at contact on a touchdown where it had zero impact on the play and you've taken points off the board, you've slowed the the game down, you're wrong. It's just terrible. Nobody wants it, it it's it, it's bad on all it's bad it, it it's bad for the for Jim Bob sitting at home who just wants to have a a, a soda, a beer and eat his popcorn and watch the game. It's boring for him. And it, it's and for the diehards, you got it wrong, dude. It it I, I it's just I it's 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 wrong. I mean, we can we can all move on. Everybody agrees, but yeah, I'm with it. it's it has to stop. I just just don't insert yourself in the game. Is my point when you when you don't right. have to. You, you don't have to be the storyline of the game. And you know what? That game last night felt like they just couldn't wait to throw another flag. And I I'm with you. Nobody wants to watch a game. Like, let, first of all, just in general, and I, I believe this in all sports, let the game be played. Let it right. Play. Just right. I, I, I can't stand watching a basketball game either when every time some guy gets touched on the hip, it's a, it's a foul and you're going to stop. And I mean, last night, my God, the Sixers and the Knicks, it was, like a, it was like a fist fight, and they didn't call anything, which is great, by the way. I which enjoyed was, it. I didn't see that, but that would have been amazing. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. It is a true pleasure for Stack in the Box to bring in one of the NFL's all-time greats. He's working with Huddle Up. Let's talk obesity. Good old number 51. Looking just so professional this morning. Uh, Dick, <laughs> Dick Buckus, thank you for taking time. Uh, we, we appreciate it. Did you watch your Bears last night get, get, uh, get a rough ride from the officials? What's oh, going stop on? it. Stop it. Yes, I did watch it. 
And uh, I, I just get so frustrated. I, I mean, God, uh, <laughs> they're going to kill that kid. You know what? Our offensive line ought to be arrested for attempted murder because they're just that poor kid. And a couple other people should be arrested for imitating cornerbacks. But anyway, uh, yeah, I'm very frustrated. And um, I don't know. I think uh, I think uh, George McCaskey and the Bears uh, head office there should be doing some drastic things. So, yeah, what about the should we give an impersonation for the general manager and the head coach, too? Uh, uh, I, I, I have no comment. No comment on that. No. I mean, if I can call the plays every game, the same M.O., come on. Who, who, who's, who's coming up with the game plans? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it, it certainly has been an interesting year, and I, and I agree with you, Dick. I think it's time for the Bears maybe to consider uh, some full-scale changes if they haven't already uh, here as they go down this, this stretch for the second half of the season. And, you know, we'll also now want to welcome in the other half of this interview, Bart Oates, who is really one of the, the great players in the 1980s up front for the New York Giants, won two Super Bowls there, also won a Super Bowl in 94 with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, Bart, you had a really interesting career. You, know, you, you played in the USFL. You won two titles there. You go to the you go to the NFL. You win three more titles. Five time Pro Bowl. I mean, one of the more distinguished co- careers uh, of that era. And I'm curious. You know, we just talked about the Bears. For you, I know the Giants won this weekend. What has it been like watching them and the struggles that they've gone through here in in, in recent times? I tell you what, it reminds me of uh, 1985 going to um, Chicago and uh, playing the Bears in the divisional playoff game. That's, that's what the current status reminds me of. And uh, well, we, we wound up, Dick, I'm sure you were probably yeah. involved. Easy laughing, you know. Well, I, I was doing radio at the time. For the yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so so we, we, get, we get squashed 21 nothing. We get blanked in the Soldier Field on the early January on a, right on the, uh, the shores of uh, Lake Michigan. It's uh, – I was, it's funny. I was, I, Dick, I, you, you were at the game. You were, I mean, it was just, we just got shellacked. I was talking recently. I was talking to literally within the last few months, talking to Phil Sims and, and um, th- that the game came up and I'm like, you know, and he's like, I'm like, Oh my gosh. I go, you know, that was just brutal. I mean, trying to, you know, block that, uh, that bears defense at 46 oh, defense yeah. time. And uh, I, we, we didn't have a clue. I mean, in our system, the way we, our offensive system just played right into their strengths. And we just, it was nothing we could do. And, and Phil was like, you know, that game was pretty close. I think we could, I'm like, <laughs> go, whoa, are you smoking, bro? I said, we, I got, because you, know, you go up front in front of that offensive line, the five of us, is, we didn't have a clue, man. It's like, you said, don't worry. They did that to everybody. Oh, I, uh, trust me. That was, that was the best team that have only won one Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah. That was just yeah. amazing. Anyway, actually, that's, that's that's how the current the current Giants make me feel. <laughs> I want to I want to follow up because the next year, of course, you guys won fourteen two. You win the Super Bowl and the NFC title game. You played Washington. You guys shut them out, but you but Washington beat Chicago the week prior. Like, how yeah. much were you guys hoping to see Washington in the NFC title oh, game? Uh, oh, I could yes. I mean, we, I would never admit it publicly at the time, but now, absolutely. I we just we did not match up with the Bears. The Bears would have beat us. You know, we matched up really well with with uh, Washington. We knew him well. We played him twice a year. 
Right. Uh, we beat them three times that year. That was just, I mean, talking about being in their heads. They just, they, they couldn't, when they played us, they just knew that, you know, they just had no confidence. It just as if we had played the bears that year, because the bears were an awesome team. And um, so, yeah, we were very fortunate not to have to face them. Well, and the bears didn't win that year because they could not keep a quarterback healthy. I mean, losing McMahon was just an absolute killer. And it's, it's been like that, uh, Dick, for, yeah. for, for, for <laughs> all time. About. So right, I mean, we got to go back to Sid Luckman in the '40s here. Do you do you think they have their guy now? Because uh, we need to protect him, but maybe they actually have their quarterback. Yeah, I think they got the, the guy. I think they got the quarterback. They just got to surround him or, or get someone up front and up, up front. And uh, you know, I, I think they ought to be more creative at their plays. You know, when you can sit home, and I've talked to the number of people that could call the plays. One's a die play with Montgomery, maybe. So now it's second and seven, and then it's another dive to the left or whatever for two. So they are always in a three plus seven, you know, third, third and seven situation where everybody knows they got to throw, and that poor kid is running for his life. So uh, something's got to do with the draft, man. I mean, you got if this is the guy, and I'm sure it is, you got to start doing some things to try to improve the offensive line. I mean, nothing against them, but they, they're not doing a job. Now, Dick, I wanted to ask you real quick about when you played. I mean, we just talked about Bart's playing days. Everybody who talks about intimidating players, you're at the top of the list. I mean, you were a guy who during your nine years in the NFL, nobody wanted to see number 51 in black coming downhill. Now, I'm curious, though. I've always wanted to ask this question to you. Who's the most intimidating player that you ever played against? Like, was there ever a guy you were like, and that guy, that guy is crazy. Like, I'm nuts. But that guy, he's uh, crazier than I am. No, I I, uh, I I wouldn't say that. Uh, I, I would describe it as that. I would just say like Jim Brown. If you were to ask me who the toughest guy was to tackle and, and whatever was Jim Brown, I'd say. And you know, I played against him in the All Star, the old Chicago All Star game. When I, you know, all the seniors they played like the previous champions, which were the Cleveland Browns. So we were playing them in Soldiers Field, and I kind of blitz. And, uh, you know, Brown, they all said, oh, he's just, you know, running this and that. He hooked my arm and started rolling it backwards. And, and I thought I was going to have a hyper-extended elbow, you know, because he's rolling me over like that. And I'm like, God damn it, you know, this, this guy's all right. I, I, you know, he got, he's, you know, he's going to hurt me. All right. This guy knows what he's doing. And. That's Jim Brown, buddy. He's he was the he was he was the best. There, there's a lot of the two things I want to touch on here. Number one, you also I, can you get can you tell a, a Gale and practice story because uh, that I mean if Gale doesn't get hurt, uh, you know who knows where he oh, lands yeah. as far as all that. And then also maybe just tackle this one first, Dick and Bart. You mentioned it. I mean the Bears may be leaving the lakefront to go play in Arlington Heights. Do, how do how do you feel about uh, a Chicago football team playing in the suburbs? I, uh, I, you know, everybody has that talk and, and they're talking like it's going to happen, but it's, uh, well, I don't know. I guess you can care, uh, compare it to the Giants, right? They're, they're over in New Jersey. And uh, I just, you know, the numbers that they're talking about paying the Chicago Park District, you know, $180 million or something to get out of their deal with Soldier Field. Uh, I wish they would spend that on players, but um, 
I don't know. I think they should stay downtown, but it's the smallest stadium, and you're you're working with the Chicago Park District, so you really don't uh, you really don't make the kind of money that these other places are when they have their own stadium. And the thing about Gale is, uh, I just got one one story when he scored six touchdowns, you know, against the 49ers, uh, they were on like the one yard line and he takes Gail out. Hellas takes him out and puts in John Arnett and John just walks in for a touchdown. He could have had seven or eight, but I think it was the old man's deal was not to do that. So he might have a tough time negotiating the following contract. Now, can you believe that? But Gail, he was something else, and I surely miss him. Yeah, yeah too, gone too soon. One of one of the great players. Really, if you watch film of him, and obviously think you had a, you had firsthand experience your whole career with him. I mean, just an unbelievable once in a lifetime type talent. You know, Bar, I I wanted to ask you, you know, and getting ready for this interview, the '86 Giants, of course, they stand out so much. Um, and you know, I, I saw a clip where. I, and I'm, forgive me if I get the number wrong, but I think it was like the 21 club or something like that, or the 19 club. When you were in 86, you're getting ready club, to play the 49ers 13. in the divisional round. Club 13. Club 13. You remembered. So I, of course I remember was, it. What was it like that? You know, just cause I, I want to use it as a segue of what it was it like to play for Parcells. But I think for anyone who's never heard that story, it's kind of a window into who Bill Parcells is and, and, and was back then. It was, listen, if you were insensitive, you know, I mean, you see some of these guys today a bit sensitive. You would not last more than a week with Parcells. You didn't want guys, you know, it was, he was from the old school. You know, I, I say that in a very uh, affectionate way now, but at the time he was, uh, listen, tough guy to play for, uh, but he was demanding. He was held you accountable. Um, and some, and he was fun too, by the way, he loved to, he loved to be the center of attention. Um, he knew how he knew what it took. Uh, but it was it was um, a guy that was going to, uh, you know, he was going to give you the right the resources, uh, put together the best players that he could. And, um, you know, he had a system that was it wasn't, you know, this high flying, you know, at the time, the, the West Coast you know type of offense. We, he would never want that. You know, he just said, just don't turn the ball over with punt it. You know, you don't have to score a lot of points. You don't have to score a lot of first downs. Just don't turn the ball over with and don't, don't give field, field position. And my defense will, my defense will take care of it. And, um, and he was right. Listen, you know, we, we get guys like uh, Lawrence Taylor and uh, uh, Harry Carson, you know, and, and Jim Burt and Leonard Marshall. And, you know, it goes on and on. I mean, heck yeah. You want, you want, you know, we trusted him. What, so. what was it like playing with Lawrence Taylor in his prime? I mean, now, now he different kind of guy. Hell of a play. I mean, what was what was it just the day in day out basis? Like, all right, LT's on the other side of the ball. We got LT. What is that for you? Just playing all those years with him. Hey, I tell you what, it was just fortunate and and glad. We're all we're all glad that uh, we didn't have the mobile phones with with cameras on them <laughs> uh, in, <laughs> in those days. Uh, I'm sure Dick can can attest to that. <laughs> there would have been a lot more issues than. <laughs> What there were, I mean, the whole the whole thing, right? I mean, reporters, you know, it was buddy, but reporters and players actually go to bars together. I mean, you know, right. they would hang out together. It's, it, you know, you would never see that today. You know, it's it's just, but it would say, um, you know, I think that um, he was a guy that, I mean, yeah, he off the field, he did his thing, but when he showed up, I mean, I remember one night I was 
his room was next to mine at the, the hotel. We'd um, for the, even home games, we'd stay in a hotel the night before and there was a curfew. And so Lawrence was there and he, he was curfew. They, and the door opens, he's gone and he goes down to Atlantic city and uh, comes back, you know, literally from the Atlantic city to playing the Washington Redskins next day and comes back, you know, has the, has a limo drop him off at the stadium after being down in Atlantic city all night. Um, <laughs> Takes out this water. I remember his water cash is hundreds. He throws them up there and he gets his stuff on. You know, he's there like, you know, 40 minutes before the game starts. And he's he goes out and has three and a half sacks. He dominates the game and just kills the Redskins. You know, <laughs> that's Lawrence Taylor. That's who he is. Did he talk in practice? Like, we have all the mic'd up no. stuff back in the day. No, he didn't. He never had his chin strap battened, his shoes were untied. You know, he, he was Lawrence Taylor. He just, uh, yes. He goes, I show up for the games. And, and it's interesting when Parcells, you know, where it was for the offensive lineman, you know, it never, but for Lawrence, he knew how to handle Lawrence and he, he treated guys differently. Um, and he just, he knew kind of, Hey, here's what's going to make this guy be the best player uh, for me in my system. All right. So we have, we have had the pleasure of talking to both of you gentlemen because you're working with NFL alumni association, the huddle up, let's talk obesity campaign. Obviously, obesity is a big problem in the United States, especially as you get older, it becomes harder to lose some of that weight. Uh, and, and just wanted to ask you guys, you know, why did you want to do this campaign? Why is it so important to you? Well, uh, for me, it's important because 20 years ago, I was uh, I thought I was in good shape and everything else. And someone suggested to me that I could I should take a scan of my heart, an EBCT scan. So I did. And. Uh, 24 hours later, I was under the knife uh, going through a five-way bypass. Now, that was 20 years ago. So uh, smoking was leading up to a lot of heart disease, uh, but that has gone down. And so the death rate has gone down, but now it's starting to climb again. And it's because of obesity, uh, with all the problems that you get with obesity, diabetes, and everything else. So it's important that people try to lose weight uh, and get to a, a healthy weight. And unfortunately, you've got so much advertising, eating, you know, for junk food and everything else. So I'm just taking our foundation, which is, uh, you know, one of our big issues is take heart and trying to help uh, the NFL alumni Get, kick this obesity habit. And there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people are obese, but you got to start working on that, not only for yourself, but for your family and everything else. Because 20 years ago, if I didn't have that scan, you know, I would never have seen my five grandkids. So don't be selfish about it. People depend on you. So you should make the effort to try to stay healthy as you can and live as long as you can. Let's end on a loaded question, Bart. Uh, you know, guys got to take care of themselves, and this is a great initiative and, and, a, and a tremendous reminder. Uh, I, I'm wondering, if, do we think that the NFL is doing enough for the NFL alumni or our players? Uh, there's so much money in the game. You know, I, I, you guys paved the way. I mean, guys like Dick before you, and you're, I mean, there people are dealing with a lot of issues because of they, you know, how they play the game. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, uh, you're, you're putting yourself through a, a, tra a traffic accident every Sunday or whatever it is in during the week it, is enough go being done to help guys out who gave a lot to the league. Well, you know, listen, as, as president of the NFL alumni association, our job is to advocate for players. Um, 
also as an attorney, I, I understand the, the, you know, the nuances behind the collective bargaining agreements and, and the, uh, and the obligations uh, that come from it. Um, what I have seen in recent years, I, I, there's an effort um, and it's debatable whether people can say it's enough given their monies, but there's certainly been an effort that pe- they've gone outside the collective bargain agreement to improve pensions, to impl- improve the uh, player uh, benefits. Um, and so there's, there's definitely an effort more so than in the past. Um, and I applaud the the league and the players union for doing that. They, they gave up a, a rather significant amount of money this past CBA to benefit former players that they could have, the current players could have kept. And so uh, I, I feel that, you know, that there's uh, been efforts, uh, but I also think it's, you know, listen, we, we're not helpless. We're not, you know, guys like Dick is successful. And there's a lot of very successful guys and guys that have done well in their life. Uh, and, and he'll tell you that just as myself, we've had a lot of different physical issues, a lot of orthopedic type issues. Uh, you deal with it and you move on and, and you take care of yourself. Uh, just like Dick said, and you just, you know, you have to take care of yourself and you got to take some personal accountability. And so I think there's, there's a mixture there. And that's why we, we've got this huddle up, let's talk obesity, where hey, just as we were with guys, let's, let's band together. We can have a positive and open discussion about it. And there's, it's, it's not just, you know, diet and exercise. There's, there's genetics, there's stress, there's sleep, and, um, there's other factors besides just those. And so it's helping educate people and saying that if, if you are, you know, a lot of people can do it with just diet and exercise, but there a lot of people can, we, we know that we've got a lot of our guys are just big human beings and that have genetics. And so it's like, there are other resources available. And so through our uh, huddle up uh, obesity.org and, and NFL.org, uh, we, we want to address those and have these positive open discussions. Gentlemen, a true pleasure for us to have you both on. Dick Buckus, Bart Oates, NFL all-time greats, Hall of Famers, the whole thing. We, we really appreciate you being with us. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks so much, guys. NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, Pro Bowler. Quite the start to the career for the... How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Washington football team's Chase Young, who is working today. And we're pleased, by the way, to have you with Fansight and the Stack in the Box podcast. You're working today with USAA. We're encouraging Americans to support uh, the two and a half million veteran small businesses this country honoring Veterans Day. Uh, let, let's get to that in, in just a second here. Uh, Chase, if somebody told you that your NFL career would have started out the way it has to this point, would you have been surprised once you left Ohio State that, you know what, uh, this feels about right. This is exactly where I'd be at right now. Uh, you know, not really, man. It's, you know, you really got to work for it, you know. So you really can never, you don't really know. All you know is, you know, today or, you know, the next day you know, just being present. So um, I feel like, you know, that's that's where the work comes in. And, you know, that's why we put so much work in. Now, last year, you guys win the division. Obviously, it was a, a weird year in the division. And you get in, you actually gave Tampa Bay a very good game, come close to even winning that game at home. Uh, this year hasn't gone the way you've wanted to go so far. Uh, 
you know, how do you feel, you know, or why do you feel things have maybe gone a little bit sideways for you so far here early on in the season? You know, it's, it's a number of things, man. You know, um, you know, I, I definitely, you know, have to be better. Um, but, you know, definitely as a defense, um, you know, just as a team, we can definitely be better um, in general. So, I mean, I feel like, uh, you know, I feel like that's why we're still working. Uh, that's why our heads are down and uh, we just trust in the process. Did the bye week come at the right time for you guys? What are you looking to, you know, coming out of it? What's it feeling like right now? The horse is ready. Horse is ready to go. It's go time. We we don't stop. <laughs> how do you, you know, how do you feel about your Buckeyes right now? now? This has been an interesting year in college football. You know, Georgia has a defense that it looks like nobody can score on. Alabama's Alabama. They're always there. Your Buckeyes are right in the mix. Uh, you know, what are you seeing out of them, and, and where do you think uh, they might end up here? I think they might, they might, uh, they might surprise some people. You know, um, I mean, I've seen early, like early in the season. You know, they might have had their little nicks and bumps in the road, but I mean, I feel like they're flowing a little bit now. I mean, I know the game against Nebraska; it was a little. You know, they they had some obstacles, but you know, they uh, they overcame it, man. So I feel like they're gonna be good. Your guy Urban just had a huge win this past week. It's been an interesting year for him. What, what's what's been uh, what's it been like for you to watch everything that's been? You know, I know you're paying attention to what's going on in Washington, but that that's also your guy. Yeah, uh, man, he um, you know, we all make mistakes. You know, things happen, but uh, it, 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 it's it's how you respond. It's how you respond to everything. Um, and I know he, I know I know he's gonna he's gonna come out of it strong and uh. You know, you just got to keep moving forward. And, uh, you know, he's, I mean, he's a hell of a coach. Um, so, you know, I'm definitely not uh, surprised when, you know, the Jaguars start really winning uh, and getting good. So, uh, yeah. All right. So let's, let's talk on the field for you. You've been in the league now a year and a half. You faced a lot of different players. Two-parter. Who is the toughest offensive lineman that you've faced to this point in your career in the NFL? And secondly, who's the toughest quarterback for you to have gotten to bring down? That's a good question. I, mean, I face a lot of real good ones, I feel like. I guess I got to say Trent. I mean, yeah. Is it, would you rather face a guy who's a bigger guy, but maybe less mobile, lesser footwork, or would you, or you rather face a guy who's got better footwork, but maybe you know 20 pounds lighter than, than a guy like Trent Williams, who's obviously a mountain of a man? I'm really going to say it really don't matter. I mean, I, I, you know, I, never really broke, I never really looked at it like that. Um, but you know, to us that can't really matter to us. <laughs> Chaser, are you uh are are you still doing the meditation practice? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um, clearing the mind. Um, got to, got how, to. How how often you do it? Probably like three times a week. Five minutes, ten minutes. I mean, how long can you just sit with yourself? It's such a challenge for those of us who are trying to get in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you know, it's it's just really just trying to relax. I mean, I feel like the more relaxed you you know you try to be, you know, the easier it is to help clear out your mind. So, I mean, you know, I might do it for 15, 20 minutes. Well, all right. So, <laughs> so take me – Chase, take me into the uh, the life of Chase Young. Everybody who watches you from far, they see you on the field, they see you run around, make plays. 
Who are you off the field? I mean, are you a guy that likes to chill out, watch movies, listen to music, or are you a guy who likes to likes to you know seek a thrill and be out there? You know, you'd be like the kind of guy go diving out of an airplane with a parachute. I mean, who who are you? Who's Chase Young without the pads on? Oh, we gotta keep that one a secret. We gotta <laughs> keep that one a secret, baby. <laughs> they can't they can't know. They can't know. That's why that's why I try to keep my you know, I try to be so low. And not be, you know, super, you know, popping out on social media and things like that. So, I, you know, but you know, I'm, I'm a regular guy, though. I mean, I, I just, you know, I'll be chilling, you know. I, I get definitely, you know, if uh, on the weekend, you know, if, if you know, in the off season, somebody want to go out, I will go out sometimes, you know. But, yeah, I'm a regular guy. We got we to gotta interview one of Chase's four dogs. So they, they got stories. <laughs> <laughs> now I got five dogs now. No, up five. to five. Okay, okay. Hey, I I know uh, your grandpa Carl was a military guy, and you're here for USA today, USAA today around Veterans Day. Uh, what what does all that mean to you, and why you wanted to be a part of this? Oh uh, yeah, man. Just looking up to my grandfather, um, knowing that he served, um, and you know everything that uh, he's you know, just gave to me through his actions and, uh, you know, just how he carries himself as a man. And, uh, you know, just knowing that, uh, you know, a lot of those did come from um, the military and, you know, just the foundation. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's really why I wanted to do it. Um, just my respect to my, my grandfather. And, uh, you know, I know how big this day is to him. Awesome stuff. Uh, Chase, I really appreciate a few minutes. Thank you for coming on the Stack in the Box podcast. And again, of course, working with the USAA Veterans Day coming up this week, obviously a day we should all take and remember some of the people that are no longer with us and some of the people that are, we should honor them and let them know how appreciated they are. Chase Young of the Washington football team, best of luck coming out of the bye this week, man, and I really appreciate all your time. Speaking Thank of veterans, you. by the way, just don't leave real quick. Are you going to call Tom Brady old if you sack him this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I ain't going to go out on like that. <laughs> Not even a little. Just come on. He, he, he got you, old man. Something like that. I can say this. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm almost, uh, I'm, I'm closer to 50 than I want to admit right now, Chase. <laughs> how, how, how old are you? How old do you think I am? You see these grays? I don't know. Man, I feel like the gray, I feel like you might have had gray when you was, you know, 28 or something. No, 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 don't do that. Don't play <laughs> with that. Right. Bat. No, I'm That's just saying, no, not, not. Not saying that she was old, young. I'm just saying you just no, might fine, grow trash. gray hairs. You no, might just no, grow gray hairs as a young, like you know. That that's true. I mean, I could have been like the young guy who looks old, but I'm kind of like the. I like to be the 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 young guy who, uh, old guy who looks young, but I don't yeah, look nice. young anymore. You know, it's it, I'm 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 48, Chase. 48, 48. Do you understand? You gotta know this is gonna go quick. <laughs> so you you think you're gonna be this age forever? Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, I'm just telling you, yeah. it's a snap of fingers and like you, you'll be right, Verderam. If you, yeah, I'm 33. I'm, I'm closer to Chase. But I got more hair. So I look no, at that thing. But listen, you know what? <laughs> Chase won't say it. He's too nice. If he saw you crossing the street, he'd make sure you got across safe at this point. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that's where we're at in life. Uh, but with Brady at 44 years old, it's incredible. The guy's like the MVP front runner of the league. I don't know how it continues to go on like this, but it, he, he's like better than he was a decade ago. Oh. As the old man here, let me just throw one more thing in here. Y'all need a nickname. The Washington football team, we, we got to move this forward. I think we, we got to put something on you guys. Let, let's make like a move. 
right? I, no, I'm sorry. I like the Washington football team. You like it like that? I like it's just. Okay. You don't have a nickname you, you'd go with? Like, if they came to you and said, Chase, what's your nickname? What are we rolling with? Hmm. Man, it's on you. Ownership comes down. Hey, Chase, look, man, the face of the franchise, you pick it. What's the new moniker of the team? I'm about to do the Washington Pit Bulls or something. <laughs> 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 like that dogs. <laughs> the Washington. Washington. It would be, I yeah. can do a Bulldog because that's like college. Yeah. I ain't never heard nobody say Pit Bull, though. That's true. That's true. Would be unique. Would be that. Well, you know, just I would. I wouldn't even wanted to be that. I mean, I it's like, a hard I like. question. You know, it's not easy. But but, I mean, Ohio State. You got to have the Buckeyes. You can't just be the Ohio State. Right. right. We got to throw something in there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know though. We're gonna see. They, I'm, I'm I'm hearing Red Wolves or something. So we're gonna see. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna see. Chase, it was good to hang with you, all right? Continued success. Appreciate appreciate uh, that. Y'all have a good one. Yeah, yeah. Be good. Take care, man. All right. Let's uh, let's do it. Go to place your bets as we bring in our guy, the great, the incomparable, the managing editor of BetSided, uh, now Bet and Breakfast, another option for your early morning entertainment. And uh, all your gambling needs go to WinBet, W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, uh, dot com as Ben joins us. We've got six games on the docket. Uh, ben, we're hollering about the Bears a little bit last night at Tony Carrenti. Uh, your Bears got screwed. And we, we, I, I know you feel it too. You know what, though? They, they got screwed, and Carrenti's response afterwards with our guy, Adam Hogue, in the, in the pool report, uh, not particularly strong, uh, <laughs> considering that there's video. It's almost as if the referees forget that they're on a microphone, that they talk to people, that people can see the results afterwards. So uh, the, the results didn't necessarily add up with what he said after. I didn't even mention that the hip check into uh, Cassius Marsh, whose uh, bears, whose name Bears fans learned last night. That was that was impressive too. But all right, let's make some money here, team. Uh, the NFL is just getting crazier and crazier by the moment. Dallas, of course, with a very rough week last week. Uh, who had the Broncos? I don't think either of you did. Uh, but they're no. back home, and uh, here comes Atlanta. And the Cowboys trying to rebound as a nine and a half point favor with the number being 54. Yeah, I, I think this is a good opportunity to either go back and look at the Cowboys and try to evaluate what went wrong and how much of it was just Prescott being rusty uh, versus actually Denver having a really good game plan and moving a lot of their linebackers and safeties back and kind of just spying on Prescott a little bit. He made some uncharacteristic turnovers. Um, but I actually see this game going over i know 54 is a a fairly high total uh but the cowboys are in that spot especially at nine and a half and we talked about this before here on stacking the box we knew at some point the cowboys number was just going to be too inflated they were the only team left heading in the last week that was undefeated against the spread um the public was all over dallas in that game and shout out to uh, our guy peter dewey over at betsided who took the broncos as his best bet for that game Uh, But to me, I I think you're going to see a little bit more back and forth. Atlanta has shown that they can move the ball still downfield. Kyle Pitts is a matchup nightmare. Uh, And I also think you'll see a far superior uh, performance from Dak Prescott. So I like it to go back and forth a little bit. Matt Ryan got a chance to play in the dome where he's always tended to be more successful than outdoors. So I I think you'll see plenty of points. I like the total. I like the over here. 
You know, I thought Dallas was going to crush Denver. And then I look up and Denver's up by like 27 points and, and things had gone sideways. And this is the exact same line. Last week it was nine and a half, ten, depending on where you look. I think Atlanta's going to cover it. Like, I, I mean, Atlanta's four and four. They're not terrible. They're not good. I don't I don't look at the Falcons and think to myself, oh, that's a, that's a contender. Matt Ryan played really well in New Orleans last week. That is a hard place to play. It is a good defense. And Dan Quinn knows the Falcons. The Falcons also know Dan Quinn. Like, I, I think you will see Atlanta put some points up here. I also wonder about Dallas a little bit. Um, they, they do not get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. I know Trevon Diggs has seven interceptions. He also gets beat a decent amount. Like, you can do some things against him. I think Atlanta at least hangs in the game. I don't think they're going to win, but I could see this being a 30-26 to 26 type of game. We have on a rundown, Ben, whether or not Dallas is a real contender in the NFC. Just quickly, your take on that? Yeah, because there's nobody in their division that's going to put up a fight. Like, the Cowboys have had enough impressive performances this year for me to feel pretty strong about them. And yeah, they're flawed like pretty much every other team. Just when we start to hype all these teams up, they find some way inevitably to screw it up, like the Bills and the Bucks from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and you saw what happened with the LA Rams. I, I think all these teams are flawed, and Dallas right now has one of the easier paths to get into the postseason. So I, I think they'll be fine, but they're kind of just like everybody else. Verem, you agree? Yeah, I think Dallas is a good team. I don't think Dallas is as good as Tampa. I don't think they're as good as the Rams. I don't think they're as good as the Packers. I, I think they're, and they're good. They're good. I don't think they're as good as the Cardinals either. I, I mean, when you look at Dallas this year. You know, they, all right, look, the Denver game aside, it's a weird game, fine, right? But, like, you know, there's been a lot of strange games with Dallas. You know, and, and by the way, as Ben pointed out, and he's right, feels like that's, like, every team this year. There's been a lot of weird games. I think they're good. I don't trust – ultimately, I think Dak's good enough to win it all. I don't trust that defense at all. I could just see them getting into a playoff game and giving up, like, 45 points, and that's it. That was the most painful agreement I've seen in a while on a, on a podcast. That, you did not enjoy that in the least bit, Verderam. By the way, my guy George Bliss is weighing in on the chat. Karma's among the best sports guys. Love his work. Good morning, stacking team. Thank you, George. You have, a, you have tremendous taste in media, and uh, all of us at At The Karma appreciate it. All right, uh, let's go. Game two, Buffalo and the New York Jets. Buffalo... Losing to Jacksonville, that was the biggest stunner last week. Not even scoring a touchdown was almost a bigger stunner than losing, I'd say. They are a 13-point road favorite at dysfunctional J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 Jets. Ben, say Jets. It'll, 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 it'll make me excited. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And I think I found some way to even screw that up. It's like worse than Fireman Ed after some of those commercials that he's been getting paid too much money to do. This is a weird line because the Jets at home against two pretty solid teams, Tennessee and Cincinnati, not only have covered the spread, but also have won outright. There seems to be something in the Meadowlands water that seems to work out for them, with the exception, obviously, of, of, of the week before. But um, I, I think Buffalo is kind of in one of those weird, broken states where I, I look at 13 and a half, and I still think that this number is going to climb, but Man, you lose a game like that to Jacksonville. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're Brian Dable and you're Sean, uh, not yeah, not Sean McVay. Um, I'm just blanked out on the head coach's name, uh, Sean McDermott. 
I don't know if you just burn the tape and just say we're moving on, but I, Jacksonville exposed them a little bit with some of the, their decision-making, and they're not getting Stephon Diggs the ball enough. They really don't have much of a running game other than Josh Allen at this point. Um, and Robert Sell is still a smart defensive coordinator now as a head coach. So they've had their moments where their defense has really showed up. Buffalo is still going to win the game and win it fairly comfortably, but I, I wouldn't count out the Jets to keep this game a little bit more close as Buffalo tries to work out some of the issues that they've been having. It kind of goes back to Kansas city a little bit where we keep waiting for that offensive explosion to come over these last several games. All right, well, they're close. They're taking the next step. And then it just hasn't happened. You kind of have to go back to the baby steps and work on the fundamentals and make sure that Mahomes doesn't turn it over. Like, I wonder if Buffalo is going to get to a similar state here where they kind of have to learn to crawl before they walk and eventually run again. I think the Jets are going to cover and I wouldn't be surprised if this game's in doubt with like five minutes left. The, the Bills the Bills have gone under the radar because the national story has rightfully been Kansas City. Can't get out of their own way. Josh Allen has not been particularly good in a lot of games this year. Um, they struggled to beat Miami at home two weeks ago. Then they go to Jacksonville and scored six points. Their offensive line is a wreck. If you watch the Bills, they can't protect him. And it's made worse by the fact they can't run for a yard. So they're constantly throwing the ball. Teams have no respect for them running. McDermott talked about it after the game. He's like, we have to fix this run game. I don't know if they can. I mean, look, at some point, you know, Cohen, we talked about this at the top of the show. Like, the AFC is just such a wide open, weird conference. And that's because all these teams have such flaws in them that you look at it and go, I don't know. I mean, how much can, like, to me, this comes down to can the Bills fix their issues? Now, they're better than the Jets. They should win this game. I'm not saying they won't. I think they will win the game. But, like, Mike White's actually played pretty well. I mean, can, can he put up some points? I don't know. But I think Jets cover. Can I, can I ask you guys a really quick question about Mike White? Because the Ian Rappaport, Rappaport, uh, Rappaport report, uh, try saying that three <laughs> times fast, uh, it came out that just didn't make a lot of sense to me, where they said that, you know, Zach Wilson might be able to practice and he might be able to get, be good to go, but – you know, we actually think it could be advantageous for him to sit behind Mike White for a game and learn from him. What the hell are they talking about? Zach Wilson's the number two overall pick in the draft. Mike White might be playing well, and if you want to get a closer, more extended look at him, then just say Zach Wilson isn't healthy enough to play. But that may, it's not as if there's an established Ryan Fitzpatrick-type veteran that he's learning from. This is, this is Mike frickin' White. What that, the hell that is, is he the um, That is the sound of carrying as much water as humanly possible and, and trying not to spill it in the sense that, look, and, and I don't say it about Rapport, say it for the Jets. Like, the, the Jets are trying to have both sides of this where they go, well, you know, we still love Zach, we still trust him, but, you know, maybe he just gets a, a chance, just you know, while he's recovering to look at Mike White. Um, I'm with you. Like, what? I mean, Mike White is, is a guy who's made two starts in his career and finished one game. Um, and I think if you're, I think what Rappaport was trying to convey was basically the Jets are kind of saying that, yeah, Zach Wilson, you know, if we wanted to play him this week, we could. But I think the Jets are just trying to carry a little bit of water from up top, which is maybe we play Mike White because he's better than Zach Wilson. But how do we say this in a way where we don't totally crush Zach Wilson? It's a fine line to walk. I, I think all you do to save face, and again, this is, comes from the Benny Heist PR School 101. 
Zach Wilson, we want to get, this is our franchise quarterback. We want him to get back 100%. We're not going to rush this process. We want to make sure that he's fully ready to go. Mike's done a really good job for us. We're impressed with the work that he's put out. And right now, we're going to go ahead and give him that opportunity until we know that Zach is ready to go. Then you avoid this crisis completely. Tremendous school. Benny Heist just dialed up right there. Uh, However, I I do think you're falling a little bit into the – where they got picked, who can learn from who type of thing. Mr. White's been giving credit, man. He's doing something right over there. There's, there's something that Zach Wilson could gleam of what's going on. Uh, but let's, let's, let's move along here. Uh, Josh Allen, by the way, getting sacked by Josh Allen was one of the peak moments in, uh, in, in NFL 2021 history. But uh, we'll, we'll move along to the Saints and the Titans. A huge win for Tennessee. Uh, I, I'm fading Tennessee right now, but they are a three-point favorite at home uh, against the Saints team trying to figure out their QB situation at least a little bit. 44 and a half is the number, Ben. Yeah, this felt like a, a CARM special, right? Fade the the high, popular Tennessee Titans getting a big win against the LA Rams in prime time on Sunday night. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I think the Saints uh, come back strong defensive performance uh, not having to worry about uh, you know whether it's going to be Adrian Peterson or Jeremy McNichols or whoever they end up trotting out there. You're going to see a little bit more of a one-dimensional type of performance from Tennessee. Um, and really, it wasn't necessary. I, I shouldn't say that the Titans didn't go out and earn that win because they made some plays on defense, but Matthew Stafford was abysmal. That, that, that might have been one of the worst Matthew Stafford performances I've ever seen from him. Um, and it kind of felt like the Rams were – feeling really good, really high and mighty about themselves and then just let themselves go a little bit and need to sort of get back to some basics on their end. But like that was bad, bad, bad Matthew Stafford. And I don't think you're going to see that same type of performance. And the Saints, to their credit, came back against Atlanta, made it a game before uh, Youngwick, who was able to kick that field goal. So I I like New Orleans here, even on the road, even against a Tennessee team that right now has the best record in the AFC. Feels like a very ideal spot to fade them. And honestly, if you're planning on betting this game, I would wait because I think there is a possibility that public money pushes this up to possibly plus three and a half for New Orleans. So I think you wait on this game if you're looking to take the New Orleans side. I wouldn't touch this game. I think this is a, a very weird, like, I can't trust Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. I just can't. But at the same point, like, I can see the Saints giving up like 140 passing yards in this game. It's ugly. I'd probably take the under, honestly. If I had to do anything. I probably go. I know it's not the highest line in the world, forty-four and a half. Um, I, I think this game could be like twenty seventeen, something like that. If I had to pick a side, I would take Tennessee. Although, if it goes to three and a half and you get that hook, then maybe, maybe you just go under and say, you know, you say, all right, New Orleans loses by a field goal or something. I think the line's right where it should be. I'd go under. I think the Titans want to call this game. I think Andy Dalton should have been traded to the Saints. I think the Bears should have gotten a draft pick. Uh, and But I do appreciate former Wildcat Trevor Simeon getting things done as I keep it very Carmesque right now on what's going on in New Orleans. All right, Minnesota and the Chargers. Let's move along here to uh, game number five of the week. The uh, Four, I should say. Vikings are uh, getting two and a half at L.A. with the number being 52 uh, good for you, Minnesota, playing a very competitive game, but coming up short last week. At some point, the tide has to turn around for Minnesota, right? Th- think about all the close games that they have found a way to blow this year. The game against Arizona, 
Uh, you have the game against Detroit where they were able to come up and, and get a victory. So I suppose that went into their favor. But then the game against Dallas, you had the loss to Baltimore. All of these were just right in their graphs. The week one loss to Cincinnati as well. I, I think what you're starting to see from the Vikings is much more improved defense, like the more the Mike Zimmer defense that we're accustomed to seeing. Um, and I think they certainly have the ability to go out and score some points. You show that against Baltimore um, a little bit, you know, in, in that early portion of the game. But that's been another issue for Minnesota. Second halves for them have been terrible. And conversely for Justin Herbert, he's been a very good second half player over the course of his young career. Um, so I could very much see a scenario which Minnesota gets off to a big lead again. I just think at this point, they've now seen it over and over again that either you correct it or you just let yourself get caught up in the fact that it's going to inevitably happen again. But uh, the Chargers are still very flawed. Uh, they were lucky, I think, to come back and get that win against Philadelphia. So I do like the Vikings to to cover that number here. It'll be a good back and forth game. Chargers, I think, for the second or third straight week have now had that number of minus two and a half. Uh, but I do think the Vikings can go on the road and not really a hostile environment for them and get the and not only cover, but also get the win outright. I'm with you. I think the Vikings are going to win the game. Look, this is not a great matchup for the Chargers. Like This is a matchup. Where, first of all, they're missing a million corners. We're going to see if some of them come back. With Sante Samuel Jr., Michael Davis are both out last week. They, they might be out this week. They might play. We'll see. Um, I don't know if they can cover Thielen and Jefferson. And their, their run defense is hideous. It is the worst in the NFL. And one thing about Zimmer and Kubiak, they're going to run the ball. They are going to run and run and run and run and run with Dalvin Cook. There's going to be way more Minnesota fans there than Chargers fans. So I agree with Ben. It's not going to be a hard place for them to play. Defensively speaking, look, I, I think the, the Vikings have gotten better. They have talent on all three levels. Uh, Harrison Smith, we'll see if he's back from COVID, which knocked him out of the Baltimore game. I don't know that the Chargers are good. Like, Herbert's really good. Allen and Eckler and Williams are nice weapons. The rest of that team is kind of not that great. I mean, if you really look at it, it's Bosa, Derwin James, and Santa Samuel Jr. on defense and a bunch of guys who can't play. And offensively, I love Slater. He's been great uh, Northwestern uh, alum there for UConn. But okay. uh, the right side hasn't been good. You know, I, I think the Chargers are like a 9-8 and eight type team, which isn't bad, but it's just kind of there. I, I actually agree. I think this is a good match for the Vikings, who also, by the way, good on teams. The Chargers are the worst-rated special teams unit in football. So that that's another thing to look at for field position and whatnot. For, for anybody that had a chance to, to tune in to Bet and Breakfast on Monday, I read Wallach through the stat out that Mike Zimmer, very impressive over his head coaching career as an underdog, especially on the road, 32-19 and 19 as an underdog head coach over the course of his career. What is this show that you speak of, uh, Ben, Bet and Breakfast? I'm glad you asked, Carm. Uh, it is a show that not only can you check out just like Stacking the Box here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, but uh, we're on every Monday and Thursday. 15 minutes or less, we go through the top stories in betting. We reveal our best bets for the day. Have a lot of fun along the way as well. It's every Monday and Thursday right here on BetSided. Bet here we breakfast. go. Bet and Breakfast. I don't know who came up with that name, but it's a good, solid just rolls off right off the tongue. And, of course, you guys are very entertaining, informed, all of it. So congrats on the show, Ben, and uh, continued success. Let's keep it rolling. All right, two games to go. Chiefs and the Raiders, big matchup in the AFC West. The Raiders 
coming in off a loss. I had loved the Giants last week considering everything that was going on. Um, and I, by the way, Derek Carr, you're a prince of a man for how you handled the, the tragedy that was the Henry Ruggs crash. Um, and so, but here we go. Moving forward, just talking football, not to get too deep in the weeds here. Uh, Kansas City, of course, getting, getting by Green Bay. This is a huge game with the Chiefs being a three-point road favorite. Yeah, and, and Verderam, I know that you've had multiple mentions of that final play of the game from Pat Mahomes where he scrambled, yep. got out of pressure, made a perfect dime of a throw to Tyreek Hill to close the game. And whether or not this can be something momentous for Kansas City where that confidence, that spark, something is lit. Um, Chiefs also have played well against the Raiders. They've been so good under Andy Reid in the division, but – I have to run with this line at plus three. This is one of my favorite bets of the week. I like the Raiders at home to cover that number against Kansas City. Um, two, if you consider this, I, I don't think the Raiders, if they lost to the Giants on the road last week, I think this number is less than three. I think you're looking at maybe one and a half, two. Uh, Chiefs are, are two and seven against the spread this year. They still can't score. I don't know if I can properly evaluate this new defensive turnaround because they've done it against Daniel Jones and Jordan Love at home. You know, Vegas can still score. They've had up and down games over the course of the year. Las Vegas is also undefeated as a home dog. Uh, to me, I, I look at that number and I'm picking against a team that just has not covered with the two times they have been against awful, awful NFC East teams. So I like the Raiders if I can get them at plus three at home. You taking them out, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll sprinkle a little bit on the money line for this game. Yeah, look, I, I will come right out with it and say, I think this game, this game should be a pick em. I do not think the Chiefs should be favored in this game. I do, however, think the Chiefs are the more talented teams. I don't think it's a controversial opinion. But they've been one that has not played up to standard all year. I have no idea what Chiefs team is going to show up in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders beat Kansas City by 20 points. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs went out and beat them 38 to 13. I really wouldn't. Like, I have no idea. And whenever I have no idea, my cardinal rule is who are the quarterbacks? Carr has played really well this year. In fact, in my quarterback rankings, he's one spot ahead of Mahomes. So by that metric, you say the Raiders. I am going to, by blind faith, I think the Raiders will cover the spread. I think the Chiefs are going to win the game by a point or two. I it's no other reason than I just think at some point Kansas City is going to come out of it. And when they do, they're going to get rolling in a big way. I think defensively, I don't think they're as, as good defensively as they've looked the last two weeks. I definitely think they're better for a variety of reasons that I won't be along with and get into. Um, but I I think they're going to win like 30-28. I, I just think it's going to be one of these back and forth games like they had with the Raiders last year on Sunday Night Football in Vegas where the game went back and forth, back and forth. The Chiefs won late. In the end, I just I have to trust a team I think is better. And I think the Chiefs are better. So I'm going to ride with them, but I wouldn't be shocked at any outcome in this game. You're not the only one, by the way, that has Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes side by side. Win bet, MVP tally, both Derek Carr and Patrick Mahomes, 75 to 1, heading into week 10 to win NFL MVP. That number for Mahomes continues to go up and up. Boy, it's been and terrible. Up. I, I know. But if we if you see a Chiefs turnaround happening in the second half of the season, especially with the terrible performances out of Josh Allen and Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott last week, 
We'll see what happens with, with Aaron Rodgers after everything that unfolded there. Um, it's Tom Brady's to lose, but I still, if you think the Chiefs are coming out of this and they play an exceptional second half, there is value to be had on Pat Mahomes, especially with the weapons around him. They just need to start showing it. It's a crazy number. Like, if, if you're somebody who thinks they're going to come out of it like me, but I don't really gamble, like you could throw down $10 on that when it when a ton. I mean, he is the kind of guy that with eight games left in the year, like, would it really shock you if over the next eight games he throws 24 touchdowns and one pick? No, because no, no. Like, we've seen it consistently over the last, what, two, three seasons? And that's, that's why I'm picking them in this game. And, again, I don't know what's going to happen, obviously, but – I could just see them having a, a game where all of a sudden it's just he goes for 380 and five touchdowns, and you're like, oh my God. And that, by the way, you know, Ben, even Ben, I do. That's why Vegas keeps putting them as a favorite. Because if they, if they made this line Vegas by three, all the money would be on Kansas City. And if, and if he plays like that, then all of a sudden Vegas loses a fortune on this game. So they're going to keep – because everybody like me is going to sit there and go, at some point, he's just going to come out of it, which he will. I mean, he's too talented. He's played a month of bad football. If he comes out of it this week, they will win this game going away. They're just better. He'll light them up. But it's – you don't know. It's They are the biggest wild card in football. I could see them finishing eight and nine. I could see them running the table if he gets right. But it's – you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Early money is uh... – Swinging at least uh, 60-40 to Kansas City just for their record as we sit here and record and, and talk to you live on a Tuesday. So long way to go on that, but right now a little bit more coming in on the Chiefs. Uh, thank you, by the way, to our guy George Ramirez, who's saying hi from Germany, who apparently has been stalking Verderam whenever you show up because he's a diehard Chiefs fan <laughs> and because you're just an adorable human being, uh, which, of Appreciate course. Appreciate you, George. Uh, I, I, long, man. Appreciate I, I, the I, I like stalking Vertoram. Uh, all right, let's wrap up with That's probably not a good thing, but okay. Yeah, I like uh, your, your everything you do, Vertoram, uh, from the way you mow the lawn to the way you talk about football. Okay, the the Rams are out in Rockford. The Rams are a one of the worst countries or cities in America. One of The, the Rams are a four-point favorite on the road at San Francisco, looking for a bounce back here. Uh, the Niners, of course, people were kind of high on San Francisco, at least for a second, as they smoked the Bears. Uh, but then San Francisco came crashing down to earth against Arizona this week. So, uh, two teams coming off a loss, Ben. Yeah, I, I like the Rams to get right. Uh, they've been a really good team covering the spread on the road this year. For whatever reason, uh, home has not treated them well in particular. You know, did not cover in that game against Detroit. Think about the game against Arizona where they got shellacked a little bit earlier. Uh, and then the game against Tennessee, for whatever reason, getting out of SoFi uh, seems to get them to click. Um, they're they're going to bounce back. They're far too talented on both sides of the ball. They're going to get Von Miller in this game. I don't know why the number is four unless it just feels like a gross overreaction to what happened to the Rams last week. Um, I know we've talked on this show about some of these offenses and their struggles and whether or not they need to kind of get back to basics. The Rams, to a certain extent, may need to do that, but there's just so much more talent on this roster everywhere compared to San Francisco at this point. Um, yeah, I, I really like them to beat Arizona without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. When I got that number last week, guys, when we talked about it on the show, when San Francisco was, was plus two and a half, I, I was you know doing the happy dance because I was like, this this should be San Francisco minus two and a half. It ended up closing with the 49ers at minus four. So I felt like I was on the right side there. And then the Cardinals found another way to win. Colt McCoy I, I, happened. 
yeah, Colt McCoy happened. The, the connection with another college coach brought it out of him. And then you got the Colt McCoy experience for, for one game. So I like the Rams. Um, I, I know that the 49ers will, will play him tough for a little bit, but, but ultimately just far too much talent on the Rams side in this one. I don't, I don't mind know. taking the favorite. What is the argument? The Rams should kill the 49ers. I mean, there, there's no – the Niners just lost to Colt McCoy, who didn't even have DeAndre Hopkins. And not only lost, got blitzed into oblivion. Here's – guys, like, I'm not even going to waste time. I think the Rams are going to win this game by 20 points. Here's my question. Is Kyle Shanahan a good coach? Like, every year you hear about how he's a top coach, top coach, top coach. They had the one year they went to the Super Bowl. Okay, everything fell into place. And give them credit, they were they were a really, really good team that year. It wasn't like they got lucky. They were the one seed. They deserved to be there. They almost won it all. Then Mahomes happened. They don't. Like, every other year he's been there. Now, I know he's dealt with bad quarterback play, injuries, whatever. Who else gets this kind of run as a head coach, regardless of circumstance? Like, I feel like every year you look at them and you're like, yeah, they're going to be good. And then, all right, I get it. Injury bug, all that. They're terrible. Like, they're not even a playoff team under him. They're they like a six-win or worse team with him every year other than one. Other than one. Here, here's a question to, to build off that. And, and, Ben, take this, and uh, we appreciate the time. You're the man. Bet-sided. Bet and breakfast. Uh, everybody check out uh, Ben's uh, work elsewhere than stacking the box. Dude's killing it. Uh, the number one team in the NFL right now that needs a coaching-slash-regime change. I'd love to say the Bears. I probably fair answer. Vikings probably. I mean, think about how many. That's my answer. Yep. Think about how many close games the Vikings have found a way to blow this year under Mike Zimmer. Like, there's talent on that roster. There's talent on both sides of the ball, and and I don't think you can put it all. It's been a convenient excuse to to lay it at the feet of Kirk Cousins over the last several years. I think Cousins can be a, a fairly easy punching bag many cases and a lot of times he's, he's earned it, especially with his play in prime time. Uh, Mike Zimmer has not had his team prepared. Um, you know, the, the younger Kubiak has had some strange offensive play calling in the second half. Uh, there's talent on that team. Like I looked at, at the Vikings, if during the preseason, whether or not Aaron Rodgers was potentially coming back. And I thought like, this is a team that could really step forward in the right direction. And then they just, they've never gelled and they've never been able to be consistent, but Far too much talent for that type of record, that type of inconsistency. I think the Vikings need a head coach badly, and then I think the Bears are right up in the mix as well. No doubt. I I totally agree. That was going to be my answer is Minnesota. You watch the games, and I watched them play the Ravens as the game was happening. Like, how do you lose that game? Baltimore couldn't do anything for the entire first half. Jackson throws a pick. You get a muff. All this stuff. And, like, the, the Ravens can't cover anybody. Like, I don't know anybody, anybody here has watched Baltimore every week. The Ravens literally cannot cover anyone. Like, just drop back and throw the football, and you're in pretty good shape. Thielen and Jefferson and Zimmers and Kubiak are, like, running the ball religiously. First down, second down. And Very Cousins, by the way. Cousins, like, he's been in the league for a decade and has no idea how to like check out of a play or like slide protection. And I don't know whether or not he isn't the freedom to check out of the play. I don't know whether or not he, he just doesn't know what he's doing, but that team is so bad in situational football. It's incredible. I mean, you watch, you know, the, the Vikings uh, Cowboys game a couple weeks ago with Cooper rush late in the game. It's third and 16 Vikings are up by three. And what do they do? 
they take a delay game on defense because they called two consecutive timeouts. It's like, how do you not know these rules? How do you not know what you're doing? It is – I totally agree. Minnesota needs one. Chicago needs one. I know Denver won, by the way, uh, you know, against da- Dallas. Give them all the credit in the world. Fangio, to me, is not a, not a head coach. I mean, I, I don't know that they need to change the GM. Patton just got there. But he's out, in my opinion – um, I mean, Urban Meyer, let's, that, that, they don't even count as an NFL team. Jacksonville and Houston obviously belong in that conversation. Uh, Miami, I think uh, – and I've been a Brian Flores guy, but, I mean, geez, that is a train wreck. And has any team ever mismanaged their quarterback more than them? I mean, how, look, I'm not a big Tua guy. They have brutalized that kid throughout the first year and a half of his career. You couldn't handle a franchise quarterback worse than the Dolphins under Chris Greer and Brian Flores, have handled two attack of low. Ben, great stuff. We'll see you next week, my friend. Everybody check out Bet and Breakfast and BetSided.com. Thanks, Ben. Thanks a lot, man. See you guys. All right, let's wrap it up here, Vertoran. we got a couple topics just to run through quickly, and then we'll get to uh, what's going on is how we wrap up the show. Uh, give me your pick here as to who is going to win the AFC North. Wide open, baby. Like like a big stupid idiot, which is true to form. I, when the Bengals were five and two, I was like, I, you know, like my answer's probably gonna change every week, but I gotta take the Bengals. Well, uh, I, I I knew at the time it was stupid, but I, I fell for it for what I always fight against, which is recency bias. The Ravens are the best team in that division, and by the way, I don't think the Ravens are a great team. I think the Ravens are pretty fatally flawed in some ways. Lamar's just carrying that team right now. And he he did not play great against Minnesota. In fact, he hasn't played great the last three games. He had two picks. Could have easily cost him the game in overtime at the pick. And although it was a hell of a play by Anthony Barr. Um, but he runs for 120 yards. He throws for like 230, three touchdowns. I mean, it's just he's the hardest guy in the NFL to defend. He's always going to keep them in it. Pittsburgh, by the way, is going to beat Detroit this week and be six and three. And you're going to hear all these 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 clowns nationally. Start with their pontificating of, oh, you know, Pittsburgh 6-3. and three. Don't fall for that for two seconds. They are not good. That team's lucky if it makes the playoffs. Russell, did you see that throw? And I know you did last night. He wound up to throw a deep ball. I mean, that ball looked like a punt. Yeah, uh, Ben Roethlisberger is, is not good, but he uh, still has the craftiness that can take the Steelers down to win a football game when they actually have to do it against a Bears team that – Played a very interesting scheme uh, defensively on the final drive of the game, uh, but yeah, the Steelers are look. They've won four in a row. Hottest team in the in the North. I, look, the thing about Lamar right now, he's crushing the ten to nineteen yard mid mid range uh, throw that he is that he has not done historically. His numbers are way up, uh, and you've put that element into his game. And you can feel real comfortable saying the Ravens. So I actually do agree with you on the AFC North here. But it is interesting, by the way. Everybody over five hundred. So it's uh, it's 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 one of the uh, the more fun stories going on when you look at the divisions across the league. Uh, MVP right now, Vertoram. You, you you going with Tom? I am, but by a whisker over Lamar. Um, Jackson's been he's been great. Now I think there have been more games with Lamar where he's not played particularly well. He's turned the ball over. Like, Brady's passing numbers are, are much more impressive. But with Lamar, you have to factor in all of it. I and mean, he's going to rush for 1,000 yards again. The guy's like having a great running back and, a, and at least a quality quarterback, you know, from, the, from a passing standpoint. 
And I know that there's always like you get crushed as an analyst if you say that he's not a great passer. He's much improved as a passer this year. He was not a good passer up until this point. I do believe that this year he's gotten much better. I still don't think he's an elite passing quarterback, but he's a good one and he's a ridiculous athlete. So I like Brady by a nose. Obviously, there's a half a season of football to go. But I think right now my rankings, it's got to be Brady 1, Lamar 2. And then after that, Stafford, Kyler, Dak, you know. But I, I think I think it's a drop-off after 2. I, I uh, if I, if I had to vote right now at this moment for what they've done for their football team and the biggest story, uh, Kyler Murray – you're you've been you've been a complete and utter game changer so get healthy we don't need to see colt mccoy on the football field and i don't know man best record in the nfc most unique guy in 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 in, uh in the nfl it's a it's it's been a thing uh so i i just want to give give kyle a little shine here uh before we get to wrapping it up here which uh i know you want to talk about the knicks which I um, am open to hear about, so feel free. So, Knicks, <laughs> uh, seven and four. They beat the Embiidless Sixers last night, barely, might I add. I will say, normally I use this spot to hype up the Knicks. The Knicks are driving me out of my mind, despite the fact they're seven and four. Defensively, they've been a, they've been a crap show all year long. They don't bother to, to guard anybody anymore unless they absolutely have to do it, which I think Tibbs is going to be – just apoplectic about by about Christmas. Um, it's because they can score a hell of a lot more now. They're better this year than they were a year ago, so like certainly happy about that. Offensively, look, Julius Randle's been great. R.J. Barrett, for anyone who doesn't watch the Knicks and cares about the NBA, watch R.J. Barrett. He is developing to what I think is going to be a perennial all-star here at some point in his career. But man alive. Uh, they played a Sixers team last night that nobody – the Knicks were up 19 points in the second quarter. Oh, this game's over. It was a one-point lead with six minutes to go in the game. Like The Knicks were just white-knuckling that thing the entire way home as Julius Randle was hitting one absurd shot after the next, and then Kemba had a few shots to ice it. Uh, they they scare the hell out of me, Carm. I'm not going to lie. They, they really do. But they're much more talented than they were a year ago. I mean, they, they just have guys coming out of there. Last night, like Kemba doesn't play well. Rose doesn't play well. RJ 15, 48 11, doesn't matter. Like even against a depleted team, they were able to win the game because they just Randall went off. Randall, whatever he had, like 32 and 9 or something. So uh overall, feeling good, but I'll tell you, man, the East. The East is a beast. It you is. Around, and it is just, it is. I mean, Atlanta's not even playing well. Milwaukee's not playing well. Boston stinks. And you still look around, you got Philly, Chicago, New York, Miami. Uh, Cleveland's been better than a lot of people thought they'd be. Uh, you know, Charlotte's at least interesting, although they're not off to a great start. I, I mean, it's just a lot of really good – of course, Brooklyn, I didn't mention. Brooklyn, a lot of really, really good teams. So I mentioned a thing at least three times on this podcast, uh, something to do with the Northwestern Wildcats. College basketball season is starting back up, Verderam. I will uh, be headed up. I will. What's that? Let's go St. John's. Oh, there we go. Let's get the Johnnies rolling here. Uh, I know you don't. Who's your coach now? Chris Mullen left the, the building, did he not? It's uh, Anderson, guy from uh, Arkansas. There we go. There we go. All right. So 
Uh, tonight, I will be uh, seeing the Northwestern Wildcats uh, take on, I don't even know, I think they're playing, they're playing Eastern Illinois. But um, the, my point of bringing this up is just to give a shout out to our guy, Dick Vitale, uh, because nobody speaks college basketball more than Dickie V. And I got about an hour of his time last year when we were supposed to speak for 15 minutes. He was the most um, welcoming, fun, just awesome Dick Vitale. And he's been uh, doing chemo and doing everything he can to keep himself going, fighting cancer. So uh, Dickie V, as college hoops starts to get going here, just all of us um, are sending a prayer up to you and your family that uh, you are able to uh, stay healthy and, and, and push yourself through whatever needs to be done. And uh, your energy out there right now is just straight, as you would say, awesome, baby. So hang in there, Dick Vitale, college hoops. I love it. Uh, not as much the NBA, for the record, but I still love it. All right. Well, well said. Well said. All, all the best to Dickie V, who is certainly an icon of the game. Uh, I mean, hell, if you're a basketball fan, really the last 50 years, 60, you know Dick Vitale is. I mean, I, I don't know. There's no way around that. Uh, as we close, I want to say, first of all, thank you to everyone who's watched live and is going to listen later. Really appreciate it. Uh, and, of course, thank you for everyone who's, who's interacted in the chat. I have to really quickly answer those questions. Ed, Ed Ernst asks, can Humphrey win Rookie of the Year? Creed Humphrey has been an incredible center for the Chiefs. He can't uh, because he's an offensive line. I mean, he could technically, uh, but he he won't. But he's been unbelievable. I have talked to multiple people inside the NFL who think he literally might be the first-team All-Pro center this year. That's how good he's been. He has been phenomenal. And then, George, when does MVP get decided? Um, that is, until when does performance matter? Uh, just gets decided after the regular season. So right up to the end, right up to the end. But I think most people kind of figured it out by about Christmas, which way they're going to go. So thank you so much. And if you haven't subscribed already to the YouTube channel, please do it. Please leave a thumbs up on the video. Really appreciate it. It helps us get this this podcast out and rolling. Also, if you don't subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify, wherever you get your, your, your podcast from, please do so. And leave a rating and review if you wouldn't mind. Really appreciate it. Some five stars. If you leave a question in there, we'll answer it on the next pod. Yeah, and if you don't do it, Verdam's going to hunt you down, and um, you don't want that. Just trust me. It's, nobody it's, wants that. Nobody wants that. I don't want All that. Right. I want to take time out of my day. Yeah. All right. Thank you for watching, uh, Matt. Good to be with you, brother. We'll see. You, we'll, we'll see you next Tuesday, eleven Central, twelve Eastern, uh, wherever you are uh, in the school that we're getting people jumping in from Israel and Germany and all that. So uh, we'll see you next week. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. <clears throat> and if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents.